1 Timothy chapter 4. So we've been looking about falling away and the attitudes that come with it. Uh, it's a spirit behind it, and what it does is it blinds us to truth, blinds us to reality of the situation, and we can begin to be used of the enemy against the things of God. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, we'll read verses 1 through 3. 1 Timothy 4, 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So the context that's going on here is that some shall depart from the faith. There's only one faith. And some shall depart from it. Why? Because that's who we are. That's our attitudes, is to depart from God. When we don't seek the Lord by faith each and every day, we will depart from Him. So we've been looking at this aspect of how do you depart and, and what goes on and the process by it. And it's just... It's unbelief and doubt and ignorance and, and, it, and it leads us to error and then we get to a place of where that we'll begin to not just switch sides, but that we'll begin to work for the enemy against God. And you say, oh, I'll never do that. A lot of nice people have said that and ended up that way. So we look to how that in verse 1 it says that some shall depart from the faith giving heed that means to give room to seducing spirits in doctrines of devils. Uh, this is not the spirit in which that God operates. God will not trick you. To seduce you means to trick you. Like I just changed um, uh, car insurance companies. You know, when I first got here, it was like, okay, uh, yeah, I'll take that one, right? You know, I didn't know. And... Come to find out if I'd have shopped around a bit more, I'd have saved, I don't know, five, six hundred bucks a year. So, big difference, right? Well, I mean, we can get tricked. You know, it's just, we can get swindled out of things. Like, uh, I've heard stories of guys, well, hey, you need this. You need to get this coverage. And then, you know what? Sometimes, that, like that, those warranties... Warranties are only as good as the company that backs it, right? Like I bought something from Best Buy once and I bought the warranty, right? Well, the warranty company, it's a, it's a third company, right? It's not Best Buy, but that third company, they went out of business. So where'd my warranty go? Out of business. Yeah, I got sedu I got tricked. I got tricked. Because, I mean, I don't know, that's just, that's what this world is about. So what do you think? The one who leads the spirit, the God of this world, Satan, 
He wants to seduce us and to trick us away from God. Yea, hath God said. Where was that? Oh, in the beginning. In Genesis 3. Yea, hath God said. He, he twists words and then he gets us to add to it. You remember the tree in the garden of uh, the knowledge of good and evil? Adam told Eve one thing and then Eve repeated back to Satan and added to it. Neither lest ye touch it. I never said don't touch it. Just don't eat of it. She said, well, you can't touch it. Generally, if you touch it, you're going to eat it. Generally. I don't know if Adam added that aspect to it or not, but the point is, is Satan wants to add, take away, twist, do whatever, as long as we don't follow after God. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So those are extra biblical doctrines. Doctrines that are not of God. And so then it, it continues on in verse 2. We looked here. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. So hypocrisy means to put on an act. So this spirit of apostasy, it, it, it'll lie to you. Tell you everything's all right. Having their conscience seared with the hot iron. So this is the danger. The spirit of God is speaking. So... So when we get saved, right, the Holy Spirit, does he, where does he go? Does he go in a, in a bottle? No, he comes to live within us, right? So according to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 tells us about how that God has given us a conscience to discern between good and evil, right? So right and wrong, if you will. We all have this, everyone that's born. It's called guilt, Right? When you do something that's sin and you feel guilty, God gave that to you. Praise the Lord. So the problem is, is when your conscience gets seared, then what happens? The Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and you're like, well, there ain't nothing wrong with this. You don't feel nothing. You don't feel nothing at all. There's, what's that? Can't respond, yeah. So there's a... Uh, I forget the name of the condition, but there's a condition to where that you don't feel pain. I, I forget what it's called. Uh, you can look it up, but how, would that be dangerous? Yes. Why? You could hurt yourself and not know it. There's a little girl I read about that had this condition. And uh, she burned her hand on the stove. As a little girl, she had no idea. Later that evening at bedtime, her mom saw it and had to take her into the hospital, get that treated. And then time and again, just, hey, she had to be told when she was hurt, you know. She didn't know. That's a dangerous place to be. Christian, if you allow yourself to uh, not live by faith and begin to go down this road of, of apostasy, you'll, you'll become a, or have a conscience that's seared. So the Spirit's poking you, pricking you, goading you, doing what He does, right? Praise the Lord for that. And you're like, ain't no one home. You're going to, what'll happen? You won't course correct. You'll continue down the same road. So, 
Having a seared conscience is dangerous. Turn with me to Romans 2.15. This further illustrates what, uh, what I was speaking about, how God uses our conscience to steer us about and show us. Romans 2.15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. That's, you know, guilt. And their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. Accusing or excusing. We, we have a lot of excuses, don't we? I know I do. I like to get myself off the hook all the time. But praise the Lord, he is able to speak to us, but we choose to not allow the Lord to speak to us. So the Greek word for seared means to render unfeeling, such as where there is nerve damage. An apostate's conscience is unfeeling in regard to the Spirit of God, as there will not be conviction for sin. So if there's no conviction of sin, will you just kind of do what you, whatever feels right? If it feels good, do it. You will not be long for this world if you're saved. The Lord cannot put up with that. Another meaning for the word rendered seared here is that of a slave being branded. A slave being branded. For thousands of years, property has been branded to depict ownership. Megan, what's branded? What? On a horse. She's a horse guru. I call them big dogs. She really likes that. She's like, she vibrates. She's like, they're not big dogs. Amen. But in some uh, Native American cultures, they didn't have words for horses, so they called them big dogs in their language. And so she doesn't think that's cool. But anyway, yeah, you, you have a, it's more done with cattle, especially steer, meat, uh, meat with legs. <laughs> they brand the name of the farm, right? Or the symbol for that farm. So you know, okay, that a cow gets out. Whose, whose cow is that? So this searing is done has been done for thousands of years. It is uh, burning of the flesh. Branding today is becoming popular. You know, tattooing is one thing, but it's becoming very, very popular. I've seen um, like big old dudes, uh, NFL football linemen. I mean, so they're, they're, you know, 6'6", 6'7", 350 pounds, seems like. And they'll get down. And then you'll see their shoulder pads, and then you'll see, like, this design. It's burned into their arm. A lot of them, is, it's, and it's, I haven't seen it so much here, uh, but it's become very popular today. It could be. No feeling. No feeling, yeah. Man, can you imagine? Ooh, you pay for that. Yes. Branding is, it's, it's, they call it just a form of body art, but spiritually speaking, an apostate Christian who chooses to have a seared conscience is willing submit, willingly submitting themselves to being branded 
by Satan. To be seared, that's like taking a branding, a brand, it's been in the fire, and putting it to your conscience. This has been something that through the years, Israel's had a big problem with. But so have we. It's having their conscience seared. And having an attitude of, we will not fear the Lord. We will not do what he says. Yeah, become desensitized. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, this idea of, of having a seared conscience is dangerous because... God uses it to bring us back to him, our conscience, to speak to us, show us where we're at. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through 26 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, that means to fight, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patience, in meekness instructing those that impose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance, to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Who are taken captive by him at his will. So do you see the progression here? First of all, verse 24, you see the, the lifestyle. The lifestyle of, of the, the one who is, that's you and me. The servant of the Lord isn't just your pastor, it's all of us. We're all God's servants if you're saint. We must not strive, but we must not battle. Like this spirit of, of apostasy, in dealing with somebody who's in this, they, will, they just want to fight. I've had people yell at me and just be upset and just, and I, you just and, and try to be gentle with them, but then they, they'll say things about your family. It's just like, I mean, they're just going to try and find chinks in your armor. You got to remember, it's not you, it's, it's against God. So it must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Gentle, this has the idea of, of not raising your voice, not, I mean, this is very difficult. You know, in our own homes, this is hard. I grew up yelling. I mean, I was, that's, uh, and it, be, it comes natural for me to yell. But that doesn't mean that it's right. Be gentle. Even people that are being prickly. Do you know what a prickly person is? Somebody when you try to get close to and love on, they, you get some quills in you. Right? Prickly people are, are hard to be near. We're all prickly at some time in our life. But may we not always be prickly, but be gentle. Apt to teach. So this spirit of teaching has the idea of this. Just because you have a desire to teach does not mean you are a good teacher. I've heard it put this way. There are two types of people in this world. One who has the spirit or heart of a teacher and one who does not. What I mean by that is this. I had a uh, teacher in uh, my history, in my past, that cared not whether I passed, I was increased, I was better. 
You ever have a teacher like that? It was American government college class. And uh, it was, you know, some stuff that I've taken two or three times in high school. So it wasn't anything new, breakthrough. He just didn't care. He did not like me. I don't know what it was. But I rubbed that guy the wrong way. So he didn't care. He didn't care about anybody really in that class. Then I've had teachers to where that not only did they care that I got the material, but that I succeeded yeah. in life. Yeah. Right? So then, you know, they would read me like if I'd furrow my brow, they'd be like, Dylan, you, you don't get this. And it's like, I'm just thinking, wow, how'd they know? Like yes. I mean, I'm just like, he has ESPN. I mean, just man. No. But it was, they cared enough that they didn't just, they nurtured me. Teachers like that, that's a teacher's heart. Not just, they, they take a person and they make them better. And there's been men in my life that have steered me and kicked me in the rump a few times and I didn't like it, but I needed it. There's been ladies like Mrs. Um, Taser, who was a very small lady, but she would taser you. <laughs> Staser, that's what was her name. You know, we call her Mrs. Taser, I think. But uh, <laughs> she was tough cookie, man. Wouldn't put up. But if you needed something, she was there for you. See, do, do you see the difference? So when we teach the Word of God, when we teach the principles of God to, to our families, to our friends, to young ones... Uh, or if you preach, it has to, the spirit behind it. You have to have a teacher's heart. Don't, not just because it's in your notes, you've got to regurgitate it. It's just, you know, watch your audience. Be sensitive to the spirit of God about what to say. If you ever see me do this, do you know what I'm doing? I'm asking the Lord, because, okay, nope, that's not it. You know, I don't have peace. You know, where, where sometimes I'm about to go, nope, that God doesn't want me to do that. Or you'll see me just kind of sometimes change, like I'm about to say, or even in the middle of something. Look, if you even begin to say something and you're teaching the word of God and God's not in it, stop. Right? Stop. And then you can just apologize and just move on. Say, nope, sorry, and just move on. Or just move on. It's important that we as teachers, if you teach, are sensitive to, to, to God that he is able to use you because there are people that are insensitive, that are hearing. I mean, if you've ever taught kids, those guys can be some of the most insensitive people. You know what I'm saying? Kids don't care sometimes, especially if you homeschool, right? Josh, mm-hmm, yeah, right? Uriah, mm-hmm. Because why? Kids that are homeschooled, their moms or whoever does that is, uh, they see them all the time. And kids that are homeschooled can sometimes not treat their parents very good, Right? But it, pray for our, our homeschooling moms, man. That takes a special soul. 
I'm just like, how you guys doing on my way down to get more coffee, right? You know, oh, yeah, see you later. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I'm like, praying for you. <laughs> so, because there's, there's insensitive people. For, for me, I want to see people saved. I just, I can't explain to you. There's such a an yearning, a desire. And it, that's probably, you know, one of the most, my most favorite things in all the world. Is to see somebody understand their need. And that you're not pushing them. They just say, well, what must I do to be saved? And then they just can't put it off anymore. Look, I want to be saved right now. I, oh, that's amazing. But there's, for so long, sometimes people can become insensitive to the things of God. May we not be insensitive, folks. Because here's why. This attitude in meekness, this is under control. This is power under control. This is us saying, God, what do you want me to say? That's meekness. Meekness is not a weakness. Meekness instructing those, this is what I was building up to or getting to, that oppose themselves. That oppose themselves. Before we were saved, we opposed ourselves. Do you know how we did that? We sought the pleasures of sin for a season. After season. After season. After season. We said no to God. We were enemies of God. And I came to a point for me personally where I just said, I'm done. Praise the Lord. I stopped opposing myself. But there are still people in this world that oppose themselves. If you, even if you're saved, you can begin to oppose yourself. When we choose to sin rather than to live by faith, we oppose ourselves. Do you know why? God's not for us then at that time. God can't bless that. We're choosing rebellion against God. That's opposing ourselves. We become our own enemy. So this spirit of apostasy, we are our own enemy. Opposing ourselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So do you see? So you got the servant of the Lord must be these things, right? Why? So that the one who is not right spiritually, whether they're lost or saved and have a bad attitude and have some issues going on, so that, look, because if we have a bad attitude uh, ourselves, we strive. Maybe we get upset. You know, that's, we just apologize. That's what you need to do. I've had to do that. Look, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have upset. To somebody who made me upset. <clears throat> and they were doing it on purpose. But I, that was wrong. So agree with thine adversary quickly, the Bible says. So apologize where you can. But if we mess up our parts, then God peradventure won't give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. They won't repent if we don't do our part properly. So God's the one who gives the repentance, isn't it? Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. I think that's amazing. Because the person becomes, whoa. 
I'm wrong. And then what do they do? They go to God first, right? God, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And then God gives them repentance, the acknowledging of the truth, and just says, look, it's okay. Now go fix it. There might be some consequences of our actions. But then God restores. That's what this is all about is restoration, right? It's all about restoration. Uh, there's a lot of things in the barn that need restored. But they'll probably get restored at the dump. Right? Get melted down and, or burned. Buried? I don't know what, you know, depends. We all need restoration of some kind. But can I say it this way? If you go down this road of apostasy... It's rare for people to acknowledge that they're wrong. In the experiences that I've had, uh, I'd say one out of ten have acknowledged that they were wrong and apologized. It was awesome. It was amazing. God was glorified. The church was edified. It was great. The rest left. And didn't come back. And you know what was sad is they joined another church. And they took that spirit with them. Problem was is. That next church had no idea what they were getting into. That's why when somebody wants to join here. I want to get to know them first. And then I, I will interview them. And if they came from a church. I will talk to their previous pastor. Right? And I want that's 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 called due diligence, right? So why would we want to add to the body what somebody else couldn't put up with? Yeah. You're bringing in trouble. So repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Once repentance is done in verse 25. Verse 26 says, and that they may recover themselves. See, God makes it possible for us to repent and to be recovered. And I think that we would be willing to recover someone that falls into sin, repents. Would we not want to recover them? Of course. Of course. Amen. That is exactly the purpose. So often churches use church discipline as a weapon and as a, like a big stick to create fear. So you know what people then? They serve God out of fear and not out of love. They're afraid of being kicked out or being disciplined. That's not, that's not right. God's not given us the spirit of fear. So we, are, we don't rule out of fear. I don't preach on a lot of there's a lot of areas I don't go into. Have you noticed that? I think that if we preach love and we preach sin, a lot of things work themselves out. Because if we love the Lord, we'll love each other. And But hey, we got to re be reminded of our sin. Just because <laughs> sometimes we can justify and excuse things. Then we need to be brought here, right? So that if 
next time you, you hear a message and it's like, oh, pastor's preaching on my sin. If you don't deal with it, you just let it remain, you're not repenting. God wants you to repent. God wants you to. Because if not, the end of verse 26 says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Is that encouraging? No, it's kind of frightening to being me. Being recovered is. <laughs> You're being recovered out of that, sure. Yeah. I was talking with somebody before church about live, uh, live snaring, live trapping rodents, critters. You know, but being taken captive has the idea of not just being trapped, but never fully being free. You can be taken captive at any time. It's kind of like you have the manacles on, you have the handcuffs on, and it's just you're being yanked back. So this attitude of apostasy, you're, you become, you put yourself under the control of the enemy. Not saying that you're possessed, but you're going to be oppressed. And the Lord is not afraid to use Satan to buffet you. He'll allow it. Not to the point of, uh, you know, of death, unless the Lord... I'm just saying, God is God. And if you name the name of Christ, I hope that through this, that this kind of concerns you. Maybe frightens you a little bit, because it certainly frightens me. God, is it me? You remember the disciples in the upper room at the, the Last Supper where they, you know, Jesus said that one of you is a devil and will betray me? And they said, Lord, is it I? Is it I? So tonight is, you know, would, would you be willing to ask that question, Lord, is it I? that have be, Am I betraying you? Is it I? Is it I? Because you know what? The very... In that very passage, you know what? The very last time the disciples were with Jesus, do you know what they were doing? Trying to determine who is the greatest. That is not seeking God. And then they went to go to have an all-night prayer service with Jesus, and they fell asleep. May we not be asleep spiritually. So would you be willing to ask, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Because it's a warfare. And may we not be branded and that our consciences become seared as with a hot iron. And we're not able to feel the poking and prodding of the Spirit of God. I think we'll stop there for tonight. And uh, all right, we'll be uh, dismissed in a word of prayer if you stop.